Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. My name is David Harsani. I'm a senior editor at the Federalist. I'm here with Molly Hemingway, editor in chief of the Federalist, and we are um, launching a new podcast called "You're Wrong." Welcome, Molly. It's great to be here with you, David. Certainly is. Um, I'm excited uh, to be back. I think our last podcast was over two years ago, though maybe we appeared together in a podcast between then, but one that we co-hosted. So that's a pretty long time. It's a long time. I will say that I get a ton of emails and notes from people asking if there's any way that you and I could could return to doing our podcast together. So this is very exciting that it's finally happening. Uh, it is. And, also, I, uh, yeah. I do want to point out, this is um, our second attempt at recording this because <laughs> you already had me laughing so hard that I couldn't control myself on the, I, on the first round. I, I think that what needs to be said here is that I am not a professional radio <laughs> type of person, so I don't know how to introduce things very well, and it's just awkward for me to do it. Uh, but now that we're going, I feel much better <laughs> about things. Yeah, it's going to be um, amazing. But we, yeah, the podcast is going to be called You're Wrong because we, we tend to get into arguments over issues. I wouldn't say we can, you know, I would say in, in general, we agree on most things, in, 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 but maybe, you know, there are tactics or strategies or, or, or some issues we don't, and certainly on culture and et cetera, we tend to argue occasionally. So, um, yeah, we, we either disagree with each other or we're united in our disagreement with the rest of the world. So, Exactly. You're wrong. Seems like a really good way to cover both of those areas. Exactly. And since I'm sort of anti-democracy and populism, it works for me quite well. But anyway, let's um, see. You're already being wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's, I think, just jump right in and talk about uh, what's going on. Oh, and I should mention quickly, it's going to be a, a weekly podcast. Um Anyway, so let, let's jump in and talk about this week. And I think the big story was, at least if you uh, pay attention to mainstream establishment media, uh, the January 6th hearings, uh, the most important hearings that have ever occurred in, in the history of mankind. Um, they got, what would you say their ratings on the first day were, were okay, considering, I mean, considering I just, every... If yeah. I can just first off say, you called them mainstream establishment media. They're definitely establishment regime media. They are the furthest thing from mainstream. And the way they've covered the January 6th show trial is a great demonstration of how far away from normal people they are. So uh, meaning it's the most important thing in the world for them. And I do think the riot on January 6th was important. I think all of the political violence in the summer of 2020 leading up to the January 6th riot was important, whether it was targeting the White House or federal courthouses or police precincts or private homes and private businesses, or whether it was targeting the Capitol. Um, but the importance put on this by the media and other Democrats is completely out of touch with the rest of the country. And that was demonstrated in the in the ratings. You had no option but to watch the January 6th trial if you were turning on the TV that night that they aired it. And it had ratings that were very similar to what they would have been if there had been no televised show trial. So the same number of people were watching TV that night as other nights. So I think it was a huge disappointment for the for the January 6th commission and the people who are promoting it as the cure to all that ails the Democrats. But it wasn't completely dismal. Right. And um, 
I mean, I, I thought that, you know, I know they hired an ABC producer or whatever it was, but I think that in general, they didn't do a very good job actually of even laying out what, what they wanted to lay out in, in, so in a way does that, that mean was you watched it? at all compelling on and on. Not really. I mean, I had other things going on to watch. <laughs> Well, what did what how did they i didn't i haven't watched any of it yet so i've uh seen i've read i should say a few transcripts well, they, i i, I should I, I shouldn't have overstated how interested i was in it but i would say the opening statements were kind of boring you know and i think that they, that's just not how you open a show if you're like trying to convince people of something or or or, or to make it compelling or to grab anyone's attention um i mean at least from my perspective, obviously, I think January 6th was horrible. Um, I'm sort of sick of constantly saying that, like I like taking some ownership of it in some way. It had nothing to do with me. I am not, a, you know, I do not subscribe to the causes those people had, et cetera. But um, there, I have never believed it's a coup or an insurrection or that there was any connection to 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 trying to overturn the election or the, or that democracy was on the you know precipice of being overturned or anything like that. That's all garbage. And I'm sort of sick of hearing about it, even though I do think it was serious, but I think two things hit me this week that that kind of showed me how unserious Democrats are about it as well. And one of, one of them is this constant idea that this was the, the, the darkest day in American history, but yet they were not going to, file any criminal charges against the, the, the ringleader, Donald Trump. I mean, or, or, or I should say file charges, but to to suggest that uh, that the Justice Department should actually do anything about it. And secondly, and this is a little bit sort of off off the topic, but you saw all this money that Democrats are sort of pumping into racist to to lift up people who they think are nuts or people who believe in, in conspiracy theories or people who believe that the election was stolen. Um, and they're, they're going to end up getting those people elected to Congress. So to me, it just shows that the whole thing is just a cynical show trial. So I have so many thoughts on this. I was watching a clip of John Dickerson, who's like a fairly reasonable elite establishment journalist who was saying that uh, Eisenhower said that you have to focus on what's important and not just on what's urgent. And so he said, yes, inflation is an urgent issue, but an important issue is this one-sided Democrat-appointed committee pushing a you know completely un-American um, discussion of the facts surrounding January 6th. And it bothered me for a few reasons. One, Inflation is tremendously important to people who don't make a million dollars a year like broadcast journalists do. I mean, if you're worried about having the money to pay for the gas to get to your job to feed your children, that is an urgent issue, but it's also an incredibly important issue. And relative to something like that, the obsessive focus on just one of the myriad instances of political violence that the country was subjected to, and the only one that came from the right as opposed to the left, which is where most political violence comes from, is deranged and offensive. And there are also problems with people not understanding that Congress is an appropriate venue to air concerns about election administration. Democrats know that better than anyone because they frequently use it even on 
January 6th of days past to air their grievances with election administration. They did it in 2005 when they were concerned that voting machines in Ohio had been controlled by Karl Rove to win the, the reelection campaign for George W. Bush. They objected to that election and raised those concerns on that date in both the House and the Senate. Um, they they raised objections to the 2016 election of Donald Trump. There are instances of totally insane <laughs> objections to election administration back in 1876, which was really a constitutional crisis at that time. And so this idea that you're not allowed to raise objections, that the people aren't allowed to have concerns about how the election was administered is offensive and wrong. You might disagree that the election, you might say, I actually do think the election was administered perfectly and there's there's nothing there. But we do have laws and processes for airing concerns and Congress is a perfectly legitimate place to do that. There are people who sit on this committee who did it just in 2017. And then also there's the issue that the Russia collusion hoax, which was perpetrated by nearly everyone in D.C., was a billion times worse than anything done on the day of January 6, 2021. Um, it was a known lie. It was something that threatened global peace. It was done using and weaponizing and destroying our federal law enforcement and intelligence bureaucracy. And basically, no one's been held accountable for it. So to be told that I have to drop everything in the world to focus on what is clearly a partisan exercise that is simply about trying to keep Donald Trump um, or put Donald Trump in prison, which is clearly what it is, because they are worried that he will win again. That is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's maddening. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that. Uh, two, two quick things. I think one is that it is true that you can focus on things that are important um, or you can focus on more than one thing. It's not as if you, know, you can't focus on inflation and this. But the political reality is that when people turn on the TV and they see that and then they see inflation and they say there are probably plenty of voters said to themselves, I can't believe this is what they're spending all their time doing, which is, which is I think, just the reality of the situation, even if you believe all the things that that committee is saying. Um, secondly, the thing that really, really annoys me about this other than what you just mentioned, is that they're constantly conflating legitimate speech, like showing up at a rally with people who rioted. Not everyone. I know this, yes. you know, not everyone was a rioter and simply showing up at this riot now is, is considered, you know, sedition. And um, as you mentioned, anyone who listen, I don't think the election was stolen, but just because someone says it doesn't make them seditious. I mean, if it were true that that saying that alone was a crime against the nation, Adam Schiff would be in prison already. And a bunch of other people. Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter, right. one out of three con uh, congressional Democrats, the entire mainstream. Oh, I just did it myself. The entire corporate <laughs> media complex, like they would all be in prison if it were true that questioning the results of a presidential election were a crime. And they did it every single day for years, for decades, really. I mean, the last time Democrats fully accepted a presidential election they lost was George H.W. Bush in 1988. Now, the thing on the mainstream media wording is that it's just sort of habit, I guess, a little bit. I tried to come up with other you know, words like establishment media, but really it's just sort of all 
all um, corporate media, right? I mean, okay, other than propaganda than, press. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's just, but we'll do that another episode, I okay. guess. <laughs> so, um, so what do you think is yeah. going to happen out of this J6 committee? I mean, I think they feel frustrated that it didn't go as well for them as they hoped. They're trying to roll out. I saw people joking. They're going to add new characters to the, to the next episode to gin up excitement. They're trying to do these like previews where Liz Cheney, who is the hero, the new hero of the left, a uh, heroine of the left is, coming out and like previewing what's going to happen. Do you think this is going to work? Do you think they will actually try to imprison their political enemies? Um, I saw Chuck Todd talking favorably about imprisoning political enemies, which is, you know, what bad people say. I, no, I, I don't think anyone's going to care at all about January 6th. I don't think it makes a difference, except if they start doing something like that. I mean, putting uh, one, one, you know, it's it's going back to the same thing that's bothered me for years. There are two sets of rules we play by in this country, and you just it's just not tenable. Like putting, you know, Eric Holder laughing off uh, co congressional demands for him to show up, but, but Republicans being put in shackles. You can't have a world like that. I mean, and it, it just won't you know, there will be political price to pay or, or something terrible is going to happen. So if you start arresting people, your political enemies, people want to run for office, whatever it is, um, I think that that's going to create a backlash. Other than that, I don't think January 6th is going to have any effect on the election at all. How about you? I talked with a prominent Republican official last year who last year, just a few months after the after the January 6th riot, the worst day in the history of mankind. And he said that um, people in his state don't talk about January 6th and they don't care about it. And if they do, you probably don't want to hear what they have to say about it. And so I think the January 6th Star Chamber Stalinist show trial will have an effect on the election. It's going to be precisely the opposite of the one they intend, which is people already angry at the incompetence and corruption of the DC establishment will be even angrier. But it's kind of hard to measure because it's going to be such a bad year for Democrats in any case. And, you know, in, in my everyday life, I'm not big on talking about politics with people I know. And I know many, you know, not many, you know, there are liberals I know and liberals are in my family, et cetera. Never one has never one time has any of them brought up ever anything to do with January 6th. And, and, you know, so obviously that's not scientific polling. I just don't think it's on people's radars very much. I don't think they care. And the people who do aren't are already going to vote Democrats. I don't think it will matter much. Yeah, we'll see. We shall. So I definitely consider my incessant skepticism both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in journalism for sure. But as I've watched all of these my pillow ads over the years, I have just been plagued by the question, are these as good as the commercials say they are? I've always wondered this. And when the fine folks over at MyPillow were kind enough to send me some of their products, I was really pleasantly surprised. These things are great. And right now they're having a BOGO extravaganza. So you can get buy one, get one free price on the MyPillow bed sheets as low as $59.98, the Elegance MyPillows as low as $49.98, and that six-piece towel sets. Those are my favorite. Those are included in the BOGO extravaganza. Also, the Roll and Go Anywhere MyPillows for $29.98 and so much more. Those six-piece towel sets are made with cotton grown here in the United States. Other towels feel good but don't absorb, or they absorb but they don't feel good. 
Every MyPillow towel is made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft to the touch. I can confirm that. It's absolutely true. Like I said, these are my favorites. They have no lotion-y feel either. Every set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, so you got everything you need. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are machine washable and come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. Those roll and go anywhere MyPillows. You can use them on your couch, your recliner, or in your car. They're versatile enough to take on vacation or really anywhere you go they're also available in multiple colors and patterns and machine washable and dryable for all you parents that's the most important part they come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee as well so as you can see it's a buy one get one extravaganza over at mypillow.com slash federalist bed sheets and my pillows are just the tip of the iceberg find the full list of bogo offers by visiting mypillow.com slash federalist or call 800 794 8429. Stock up with buy one, get one free savings today and get Mike's book free with any purchase. MyPillow.com slash Federalist or call 800-794-8429. MyPillow.com slash Federalist. Uh, do you want to talk uh, quickly about guns? I do. I mean, I want you to talk about guns, <laughs> basically. I, I, uh, can't believe we're in this moment again where Republican elected officials are seeing how much they can cave in on Second Amendment rights. Maybe you can give us a lay of the land of what the situation is. Well, um, Democrats have uh, and Democrats and Republicans have reached a sort of a framework of an agreement on gun control. Um, Part of it doesn't bother me very much. I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's, it's just spending on, on mental health, more mental health facilities and helping schools, things like that. I don't think spending is, is, is going to be any kind of uh, remedy for, for mass shootings or anything like that. I think it's, you know, we need like a holistic cultural approach where we start looking and, and you know, for, for, for kids who are, who are, who are you know, showing antisocial behavior in that way and, and trying to help them earlier. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's something that money can solve, but certainly it doesn't help to put more focus and effort in, in, into that. What bothers me most about the framework, and there are a few things, but what bothers me most is the funding for red flag laws a, across the country, which are almost always uh, laws that completely, you know, dispense with any kind of, due process for, for people. It, it, it essentially a third party, like your family member, someone you work with can petition a court to have your guns taken away. Um, it's of course ripe for all kinds of abuse and political abuse too. In Rhode Island, for instance, if someone's, you know, saying things online that you don't like, you know, that, that scare you, you can petition a court and things like that. Uh, so Republicans want to fund that without, we'll see how the laws are written. Obviously, we haven't seen the, the text, but without any safeguards that those laws won't be abused. And uh, so to me, that that is uh, unnecessary and unconstitutional, really. And um, and so I hope one of these Republicans, though, it seems unlikely to me, will will say, hey, I, I don't want to do this. I think there are 10 Republican senators. So they were very. They, you know, they, they put out this framework. Mitch McConnell says he supports the framework. He helped get 10 Republicans to agree to support it so that it would be filibuster proof. Uh, 
Uh, they're doing this. They're making these concessions at a time of historic unpopularity for the Democrat run government. Democrats run the presidency, the Senate, the House. Joe Biden's approval ratings are in the tank. Why do you think they are willing to do so much against gun rights at this time politically, if not simply that they oppose gun rights? Well, well, these are horrific incidents that we've seen with these mass shootings. And I think that political, some political pressure, I mean, Chris Murphy said that he thinks they came to the table because they felt all this pressure. Um, I don't believe that that pressure actually exists. I think it's some, somewhat in their imagination. I think it's media pressure. Uh, do something, you know, pressure. It, 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 it's not real. I mean, none of the, the things that they're talking about really would, are, 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 are policies that would have stopped any of the recent, probably stopped any of the recent, recent shootings. Um, but even if they had, obviously we want to stop those shootings. There are other, you know, things that we have, you know, there are other concerns, constitutional concerns, rights of, 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 uh, law-abiding gun owners or something that Republicans support, supposedly care about. So I think they felt some sort of political pressure um, off the bat, and, and that's why they, they, they did it. I mean, so to, yeah. to go back to that John Dickerson reminding people about what Eisenhower said about urgency versus importance, it does seem like this is an area where true leaders would be able to craft policies and and ways of dealing with, with what is clearly a massive problem. Our massive problem being that we are raising people who are, we're raising men, usually as men who are extremely violent, whether that's in the form of mass shootings or it's the form of just the violent crime that is besieging cities nationwide. And I think as from the perspective of victims of, of both of those crimes, it doesn't really matter to them whether it's a mass shooting or a targeted shooting on you know, stabbing whatever else is happening it seems like leaders would get together and think about what is it what is happening in this country that we have such moral rot that the country seems to be falling apart that family formation is failing that so many of the people who perpetrate crimes are raised in families that are not intact or they're barely raised in families so wouldn't real leaders understand the importance of dealing with some of these problems in a way much broader than blaming the tool of violence chosen by the violent people? <laughs> You're begging the question. No, is the answer to that. I, 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 I don't think that Chris Murphy cares about that at all. I think he just wants guns to be. Actually, wouldn't, he wants it be, to be wouldn't it be good for Joe Biden to do it, though? Like, wouldn't he yeah, he's got horrible ratings. What if he came and said, I told you I'd be competent. I told you I'd be a unifier. Here's what we're going to do. We have a big project here. It's called, you know, restore the family. And then they could still do a bunch of spending of money like they want to do and all the grift associated with that. But it would be popular, wouldn't it? I mean, the sentence that you just put together is more coherent than anything he's said in years. So I don't think he could <laughs> do that if he tried. But also, he constantly comes out with the same speech I've heard for maybe 10 years from him on guns. So there's no there are no new ideas there. And he's, you know, for them, it's the gun and it's always going to be the gun when like, you know, Chris Murphy last week said, you know, 
to a reporter, like, don't bring up this mental health BS. Like, he doesn't even believe that's true. That's just something he's throwing Republicans to make them feel better. I mean, his goal is incrementally to to make it harder for people to have guns and then hopefully in the long run, get them out of society. So that's their goal. I'm not saying every Democrat's like that, but most of the, the leadership is certainly like that. And uh, so that's, you know, that's why nothing really useful ever, ever gets done. And I don't think this bill is very useful either. I hope that it won't be as destructive as I, as I, as I, as I think, especially on red flag laws. Um, but the truth is that blue states can pass those laws and they do anyway. So it's not, I, I, I doubt Oklahoma is going to pass a red flag law for some money, but uh, you know, other states already do it. And um, so it's not as bad as I thought it would be, frankly, but it is bad enough that it should be opposed. And, uh, and I think it opens the door to, to more. And that is also problematic. Yesterday, the White House put out a proclamation on Elder Abuse Day. <laughs> and I saw someone on Twitter say, I don't think this is the type of thing we should be celebrating. Uh, we, um, we're not allowed to talk about that, I don't think, right? Um, I mean, I, I'm rarely as concerned about the president as other people are, because I don't think they're as powerful as people believe most of the time. But watching Biden press conference actually worries me deeply because he is obviously uh, he doesn't have the stamina or intellectual ability. And it was already he was already sort of stressing it. He was already pushing it already before, you know, he got older. He was never the <laughs> most incandescent light bulb in the chandelier. Yeah. And his sort of fabulism, which makes me laugh all the time. I love his stories that aren't true, but um it's not good that he's president. And what's scary is that, you know, listen, there's ideology and there's competence. Like you might not like someone like Mitt Romney, but I feel like he'd run a competent white house and a competent, you know, in, in, in most ways, I just pulled him out. Cause he seems like a competent dude, but uh, Joe Biden does not strike me as someone who could run anything. You would not let him, you would not let him babysit your kids. You would not let him watch your home, but he runs the country. And I think that's pretty scary. So, I, you know, that's a topic for another day, but I mean, um, yeah, we have a lot of leaders who are incredibly old and I, I don't really understand why they're not uh, dynamic. They're not, you know, no, no one really is excited about Joe Biden presidency, like as they were say about Obama or Bush David, or 81 million people <laughs> voted for him with excitement. Never forget it and don't question it in any way. I know, I know. Um, Very, he's the most popular man in American history. And I think we should pay him the respect that that shows. Everybody likes him more than Barack Obama. Every group supported him, came out in droves to support him. And I think, you know, that that's probably because of his charisma and intellect and ability to speak in campaign. What a disaster this is, seriously. But I do. I, I, I pretty much dislike all politicians. They all make me a little bit uncomfortable. They always seem skeevy and weird. But on TV, we have to frequently listen to Joe Biden and then respond to what he says. And I am just cringing as I listen to him. It makes me so uncomfortable and also a bit angry because I think people close to him should love and respect him enough to protect him. And Number one, do not let the man speak after about 4 p.m., just like it's a national security threat. <laughs> um, and and do whatever that thing, that cocktail they're, they're putting 
putting on him works really well for important speeches and you don't want to overdo that. So just limit the speaking and we all get through hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes watch older videos of him to, 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 uh, you know, when I'm writing something to show how, what a hypocrite, you know, hypocrite he is and how he has no principles. And he's always been a blowhard that really didn't make much sense. And, you know, he gets some talking points. He repeats them constantly, which most politicians do, but he has just not never been particularly smart or agile intellectually or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I cringe. I saw him the other day was speaking to the unions, I guess, and just, or maybe it was yesterday and just, Oh, the anger. The angry, he was giving the angry speech. Sometimes he gives us a whispery speech and that's creepy, but the angry speech is just, you'd laugh if he wasn't president and just lie after lie. It's a real shame that every network stopped having that lie tracker thing that they used to do for Trump, because I think he'd be racking them up pretty high um, right now. I mean, we, we keep tracking them at the Federalist. Yeah, I, by the way, one of my favorite things about the lie trackers that the corporate media would do is they would say, you know, Donald Trump would say, there was no collusion with Russia to steal the 2016 election. And they would chart that as a lie. And then every time he said it, it would be another lie. So if he said that like 2,800 times during his presidency, and he did, they would chart it as 2,800 lies. Never mind that it's not a lie and that you can't, you know, like just like the repeating of it, repeating of a true statement would be counted as lie after lie after lie. And meanwhile, you know, Joe Biden can say, He's overseeing like the best economy in the history of the country. And everyone's like, yep, checks out. Sounds good. Cancel culture is coming to your bank and holding the wrong political views might soon leave you out in the cold. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest episode of The Bill Walton Show, Todd Zwicky, Paul Watkins, and I discuss what is already happening, how the Biden administration is already pursuing this agenda, and what we can do about it. This progressive culture offensive is relentless. It's coming for you, and you won't hear about this anywhere else. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rarely, rarely, White House is rarely challenged. I mean, occasionally challenged, only from Fox News mostly, but, you know, during their press conferences and, you know, press secretary, it's just... It's bad for the Republic, but uh, they are just corrupt. So just do about one, one last question on the gun thing. Is there anything to be done? Uh, what should what should people who care about gun rights do as they watch establishment D.C. work against those gun rights? <laughs> I mean, what can you do? You can vote against people who, who engage in this kind of thing. But I think four of the senators or four of the senators, uh, Republicans aren't even running again I yeah think. and then like one is susan collins who's been openly right. anti-gun rights her whole career so that's fine or you know she's a moderate her whole career but what about someone like john cornyn who would like to remain in leadership do you think someone who uh supports red flag laws should stay in leadership no i do not and i think that he's nervous and i generally i'm not as i'm not as angry about McConnell and others as, as a lot of conservatives are, because I think that it's, it's a tough job in, and he's done a decent job in many ways. Um, and I'm, you know, especially when it comes to, to, to the, you know, judicial appointments, things like that. I just don't think he's as bad as everyone, but um, I think, I think Cornyn's, I think he's, he's nervous right now because I saw him tweeting out, like, these are the things that didn't get into the bill, which is not what you do when you're proud of something, you know? Um, so I think he's nervous and uh, about it. I don't know if, you know, 
I don't know why he did it. And I think that uh, there, there could be enough anger in places like Texas to pressure him maybe to, to, to change his mind. But it seems doubtful to me and it seems doubtful. I think people will move on because it's not hugely intrusive, frankly. I mean, it's bad in, in ways that aren't incredibly evident right away, meaning that there's an incremental problem here. It's not like what they're going to do tomorrow is going to, to really um, affect gun owners. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know how angry they'll get. In general, I also think there should be um, discipline within a political party. Like if you are <clears throat> the senator from one of the Dakotas or Texas, more has to be expected of you than if you are the senator from Maine who has a difficult time getting reelected. And the fact that the Republican Party produces so many cowardly squishes from states that are comfortably Republican really is a testament to how much they hate their voters. I mean, it's just, it should not be permitted or allowed. And it has done a lot to actually harm the Republic, I think, because when people do elect people, they expect to show leadership and to defend, you know, founding principles and conservative values. And instead they get like a John Thune. It, it ends up creating the circumstances by which you elect increasingly radical people on the right because you can't you can't trust that the people who should know better are going to do what they should be doing in the senate yeah and i think they also surround themselves with people who tell them who give them bad advice frankly and who are worried about polling in a way they shouldn't be you know gun polling is is notoriously dumb right because you ask people about things they don't really understand and like universal background checks. Well, that sounds great, right? And there's huge support for it. Red flag laws, there's huge support for it. But do people really understand what they do? Seems very unlikely to me. So instead of going out and making the arguments or, or, or explaining what these things are and why you don't support them, you, 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 know, you give in to some extent. Uh, so I think that's problematic. Another quick thing on this, though, is also that these aren't compromises. The, the Republicans got nothing. Uh, rep, you know, Republicans support where many Republicans support training programs to arm teachers so they can protect their kids if something happens. Was that brought up? Is, why, why isn't that in the bill, for instance, or, you know, a bunch of other things. So, it, it, you know, we keep talking about these bipartisan bills where Republic, where the only thing Democrats give is that they don't take all they want, you know, and Republicans get nothing. So yep. that's, an, that's another problem. Okay, so before we end here, I am curious, if you're listening to anything interesting, watching anything interesting, if you have any recommendations. Um, I watched The Pistols, which is uh, Danny Boyle, the director of Danny Boyle's series. I think it was on FX of the Sex Pistols, starting with the Sex Pistols, mm. basically about Steve Jones, who was the uh, guitarist. I loved, I have a heat and love relationship with it because it became a little soap opera-y, but it also, uh, you know, was just, kind of interesting about that scene, which I think was. So I was listening to some Susie Sue this weekend mm -hmm. and I was kind of curious what her deal was. And I was doing some research and realized she started out being a groupie for the Sex Pistols, mm -hmm. had this like really unique look, which was goth, which nobody had but her. And it created this like, and then she ended up starting, you know, her own band because there's like an open mic situation at one of the festivals and she didn't mm -hmm. even have any songs or a band and she just sort of got going and everyone was just blown away by her confidence particularly considering that she had no background in it and then she of course like causes goth culture to go worldwide and i had no idea it was sort of done by her oh yeah she's great 
I mean, that open mic thing, Sid Vicious was the drummer on that. And they played the Lord's Prayer for like uh, lyrically for like 20 minutes or something like that. And it was a big hit. And then she started a band and came out with an album called The Scream, which is one of the just an amazing album oh, that yeah. com completely turned everything on its head. I mean, you know, punk was kind of like sped up rock or, you know, but it had sort of traditional song structures. And she just kind of blew that away. And I think that's her and Public Image Limited, which John Lydon started after the Pistols, second edition, especially, I think are. I keep thinking, really by the way, about how I went to a PIL concert when I was 15. And I'm just wondering what my parents were thinking, letting me go, you know, 60 miles away with a group of older boys to a PIL concert. Like they just really were weird because they were so controlling normally. And then they just thought that was fun. <laughs> I love that uh, we had similar experiences growing up. I also went to see Pill at a young age. I forget exactly. Maybe I was 16 and it was pretty wild. Uh, huh. concert very memorable yeah it was, it was terrifying but yes it was awesome uh you also had told me about Susie sue's the creatures band which she started after the banshees or what yeah yeah i think the the story is there was some studio time and she was there with the drummer and they just started working on some stuff i i think the creatures are uh, especially the first thing they did, which I think is like a double seven inch. I forget exactly, but it is, it's amazing stuff and worth looking up. I think it's on Spotify, uh, definitely on YouTube. forget what it's called, but um, yeah, it's more like very heavy rhythmic stuff with her sort of chanting on top of it. I like it. Um, yeah. I liked what Yeah. It's good. Yeah. She's, 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 uh, she was, she is around still, but she was amazingly talented in those years, I think. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, she's in that show. She's in Pistol. Hmm. Um, she was famously, there was a big, uh, I forget, the, it was a Bill Grundy interview that kind of blew up the Sex Pistols when they cursed on TV for the first time in England. Oh, right, right, And right. she's standing there. She was the one who sort of started that because uh, yeah, the, was... the host was hitting on her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, actually, I loved reading about her past too. She had a, such a horrible childhood and really bad things happened to her. And then she turned it into this beautiful art. And it's a good reminder that adversity does not need to be a uh, simply a bad story. It can, it can be used to power creativity and um, a new approach to things. And so um, it's a good reminder for people who are going through difficult times. Anyway, uh, I think we have to leave it there, David. We do. That was great. Great to be back. And it is I, yeah. wonderful. I mean, it is just wonderful to have you back and I'm so happy and I'm glad we'll be able to chat once a week here. Yeah, and I wanted to say this for a long time, so I'm going to say it right now. Be lovers of freedom and anxious for the fray. You're here. <laughs> <laughs>